Welcome to Lead by Women Will, a Google podcast created to inspire and empower women as we rise in our careers. I'm your host, Loranda Martin-Evans. Today, my guest is Rachel Serpa, Senior Content Marketing Manager at Reich. Rachel knew she wanted to be a content marketer before the job title even existed. After graduating with honors from San Jose State University, Rachel started her career in tech. Before landing her current job at Reich as Senior Content Marketing Manager, she managed content marketing at a number of tech startups. Rachel recently wrote an article for Reich titled, Women in Tech Know Their Worth. It's time everyone else does too. And you should absolutely Google it because it's a fantastic article. Welcome, Rachel. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so thrilled to have you on the podcast today. Great. So listen, let's get right into it. I'm dying to know about this article and what inspired it, actually. So, so, the, so the article is called Women in Tech Know Their Worth. It's Time Everyone Else Does Too. So tell us about that. What was the inspiration? I want to know everything. Yeah, definitely. Um, so my company, Reich, is a collaborative work management solution. Um, so we actually do a lot of research on workplace operations and team dynamics and project management and the way people work together. So our team did a survey looking at how work is perceived and conducted in the eyes of managers versus employees, um, men versus women, younger generations versus older generations, etc. So the majority of the respondents were in the tech industry. And there were a lot of cool findings that came out of that. I encourage you guys to check that survey out. But one of the findings that really uh, piqued my interest was that men are far more confident that their professional ideas will be heard and implemented by management. So when asked if you were to suggest an improvement on how your team operates, what would be the most likely outcome? 48% of women said that their suggestions would be ignored or never implemented. Oh, so depressed. Um, so that's <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Because then you're like, well, why do I even bother? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so uh, personally, I was actually reading Emily Chang's book, Brotopia, mm-hmm. uh, breaking up the Boys Club of Silicon Valley, which was released around that same time frame. If you have not read that, check it out. It's very interesting mm-hmm. and insightful. And so those findings really happen to kind of align with, with you know, my reading of that book. And that book to me was just so well-researched and eye-opening. And, and when I saw the statistic, I just knew immediately that I had to write an article about it. <laughs> so, okay. So then why do you think working in tech is so much different for women than any other industry? Like, what what gives? Yeah, I mean, so again, going back to Emily Chang and her, her book, Brotopia, she points out in her book that nearly half of the American workforce is women, which is great. Yeah. But when you look at tech, women actually account for the low to mid 30% of all staff for a lot of major tech players. So they're also leaving the tech space at twice the rate of men, mm. which is a huge contrast. Mm-hmm. Um, so one thing that I discussed in the article is that in the research that I've read and what I personally believe is that this discrepancy really stems from the very early days of tech. So in the 60s, research, I say that was close around it, right. <laughs> was done, right, was done to 
define um, what they call the ideal programmer profile. Oh. So this research, yeah, this research was based on an analysis of almost 1,400 existing programmers, and only 186 of them were women. Right. So, of course, the traits they found in this group, they found that this group had in common, which essentially became the tech industry's reference point for hiring good programmers, skewed male. So, I, you know, I think this bias really exists in tech today still. So, to be considered an ideal worker and, quote, the right person for the job, unquote, women are often pressured to behave like men and exhibit certain masculine characteristics rather than being appreciated for what they bring to the table that complements or fill gaps within stereotypical male characteristics and behaviors. Do you happen to know what some of those reference points were or what the traits were that this air quote research unearthed in all its infinite wisdom? Yeah, yeah right. So um, it's really interesting. So there's, I mean, there's lots of research out there about this. We cover some of it in my blog post. It's in Emily Chang's book, Brotopia. Um, there's lots of articles out there about it. Um, but probably one of the, the things that most of these articles touch on is that they define programmers as typically not really liking people. What? So kind of, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, essentially they didn't they just didn't like people very much. They had a disinterest in people. I mean, that just seems like it seems like a caricature of what a programmer could be. Exactly. It seems really exactly. short-sighted. <laughs> so then okay, so then I'm curious like so, tell me some more of the uh, interesting things that you discovered during your research. Yeah, I mean, having worked for a number of tech companies myself, um of various sizes and different industries. I can't really say that anything came as a total surprise. Mm -hmm. Um, However, I did find it really interesting that almost every person I interviewed had a story about a time they were passed up for a promotion or a raise or made to feel inferior in favor of a male colleague with less experience. Mm, Yeah. So... Almost everyone could speak to a time when they proposed an idea and it was shot down. But when the same exact idea came out of a male colleague's mouth, all of a sudden it became this like fantastic earth shattering idea. Right. (laughs) So naturally, when this happens over and over again, you start to question and doubt yourself, right? I think that's just human nature. So then, you know, women wind up with this lack of confidence that only exacerbates the problem. Mm -hmm. So this really made me think more about whether these things happen because many companies and managers just don't listen as closely to women. If it's because women are not communicating in the socially acceptable male way, or because women are so used to being tuned out or shut down that they don't present their ideas as confidently as men. So, I mean, I personally think it's probably a little bit of all of those things. Mm-hmm. And different for every case, <laughs> um, for sure. Oh, definitely. 100%. So another thing I found that was really interesting was the research done by uh, SFSU linguistics advisor and assistant professor Anastasia Sernova. She was one of the women that I spoke with to write the article. And so some of the research that 
she and her colleagues did that she shared with me was they looked at the word order of men and women versus women and men in 20th century literature. So apparently in the 16th and 17th centuries, um, I did not know this, but she told me this, there was actually a, like a rule for the English language that the male noun should come first. So that's why, and if you think about it, typically we say like Boris and Natasha, not Natasha and Boris, mm-hmm. or, you know, Romeo and Juliet, not Juliet and Romeo. Right. So the usage of women first word order was essentially non-existent in the 20th century up until about 1970. So even in the you know 1990s, male first word order was by far the most commonly used. So, you know, all of this kind of goes to say that even the language we speak inherently favors this idea of men first. And I thought that that was really interesting. (laughs) It is because it's so systemic. And I remember being in French class as a kid. And if there's a Mm -hmm. group of women, it's L. And if there's a group of guy, it's Il. Like that's the masculine. But if there's a group, uh, a mixed group, and it's all women and one dude shows up, it automatically becomes the masculine. It becomes eel. And I remember as a one, I remember, I remember being like seven years old and thinking like, that's so unfair. That's not right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just think it's really interesting because I think that, you know, as women, perhaps that even subconsciously affects us growing up just speaking that way. And I think it just speaks to how society as a whole just kind of, you know, for so long, just kind of blindly accepted those things because yeah. that's just the way things were. And they, they didn't even like necessarily think about the the subconscious effects that that could have. And that they continue to have. It's, re- it's really interesting. Right, right. So I, would, yeah. I, I mean, I hope this isn't too personal, but I would love to know yeah. if you've ever experienced gender bias in the workplace. I mean, unfortunately, yes. <laughs> mm. um, I one example that comes to mind is during review time at one of my previous companies, a male colleague and I, who were very close friends, he was probably the person I was closest to in the entire company. You know, it was promotion time. We both were in talks around raises in promotions. And we both kind of, you know, asked for some additional, you know, slightly higher title, additional compensation because we had both received super high marks on our reviews. Mine were actually slightly higher. Um, And I had also been at the company and in my role for longer than he had. Mm -hmm. So when he brought up the promotion and race topic with our boss, our boss reacted with like, yeah, you deserve this. I'm going to go to bat for you. Like really that kind of, you know, empowering, motivational, like, yeah, kind of language, right? Mm, Yep. My conversation with that boss went completely differently. I was instead very patronizingly questioned if I would be okay with a different PTO structure. (laughs) Wow. And that very quickly became the focus of the conversation. And I, I honestly, I really left just feeling like he was intentionally trying to put doubt in my head as to whether I could handle or even wanted this increase in workload and responsibility. Wow. And this wasn't even a dollars to dollars conversation. This was just, no. I want the title no. and I'm ready to be promoted. I mean, the dollars yep. to dollars thing is a whole other can of worms, but. That's a whole other can of worms. <laughs> you, you were just like, I deserve it. I've done just as well as someone. I know who's, I know exactly what this person's doing on his role. And you were yep. made to feel full of doubt. That's awful. Yeah. And I mean, 
I was pretty young at the time and I was really having, I'll be honest, I was having a hard time understanding why my conversation went so differently than my, my friends and colleagues conversation went. And so, you know, I, I called my dad. <laughs> Man, dads are our best champions sometimes. So I've, right? I've made more than a few of those right? phone calls. Yep. Yep. Oh my goodness. And my dad is also a tech veteran. Like he has always been in tech since the early days. And so, yeah, I kind of called him to like vent and ask for advice because I was just so confused. And I remember asking him, like, I have a very vivid memory of this conversation. I remember being like, why is this happening to me? And he said to me, he said, Rachel, it's because you're a woman. You are going to come up against this time and again in the tech industry. And this like light bulb sort of went off for me at that point, because up until then, like, you know, gender bias was something I had kind of only heard secondhand or read about in terms of these things happening at work and in the tech industry. And then at that moment, it became so real for me. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's one instance that, that definitely sticks out in, in my mind. But, you know, having, having said all of that, on, on the flip side, I've also had many male bosses who've gone out of their way to encourage and support me. And they recognized and appreciated my strengths. And, you know, their, their mentorship has been instrumental in forwarding my career. So, you know, not, not all hope is lost. <laughs> you know, it's, it's so funny that you say uh, gender bias was something I'd only heard about or read about secondhand. I, I've heard stories from countless women who, you know, think that everything's at parity and then they accidentally see the financials and learn that, you know, Bob, two desks over, who's you know, doing a slack job while she's killing herself, she suddenly realizes he's making 20% more than she is. And like that aha yeah. moment when you realize, mm-hmm. yeah, this is not fair. And, and well, I hope I hope after that right. moment, you've you moved on to another company and, and met great mentors and, and realized we can't, you oh, know, definitely can't change. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so then I mean, okay, so then so then this brings me to my next question. What advice can you give to women who are just starting in their careers in tech? Yeah, that's a big question. (laughs) Don't work for jerks. Like, what what is the big advice here? (laughs) Call my dad. Like, he'll hook you up. (laughs) I'll give everyone my dad's phone number. Yes. Awesome. He's, like, listening to the podcast. He's like, no, no, Rachel, no, no. So, I mean, one of the women featured in my article, Tisha Shaw, who is fabulous, who I actually used to work with, um, she made an excellent point. She said that as a woman in tech, it's not that your work isn't valued when you do it and you do it well. Most companies will give credit where credit is due for a job well done on a project. However, the hardest part is getting the opportunity to shine. Because women are often assumed or perceived to be more junior or less capable compared to men. And I think that kind of goes back to, you know, what we were talking about earlier. Like when a woman has an idea, a lot of the women I I interviewed, you know, they would have an idea and it was like, eh. And then uh, someone who was a male, less experienced, would say the same thing. And it was like, oh, that's fabulous. Mm. Um, So she spoke a lot about the need to create opportunities for yourself as a woman to show yourself. So is it disappointing that women have to do this? Yes, yes. 100%. But I, I do think that that, you know, given the circumstances that we're in, I do think that that is sound advice. Create your own opportunities to shine. 
don't wait for someone to hand you your first big project because it could never happen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So just go find your own opportunity and go for it and don't be afraid to boldly do that. Exactly. Exactly. I think it, it goes back to having confidence. You know, men are raised to speak up, fight for what they want and make themselves heard. And women, not so much. (laughs) So it can be more challenging for us to walk into that all hands meeting and ask questions or, you know, raise your hand with an idea, but do it anyway. Do it anyway. But it's hard at the beginning of your career. Like it's, it's, it's hard to, you know, when you're fresh out of university to be like, okay, I'm just going to do it anyway. And, but you're saying age doesn't, age doesn't matter. If you've got a good idea, don't be nervous and go for it. Exactly. Exactly. I know early in my career, I was always super nervous when communicating with higher ups or yeah. sharing my opinions or asking why. Yeah. Um, I remember thinking like, why would these people care what I have to say? They're going to think I'm overstepping my boundaries and I'll just be wasting their time. Mm-hmm. And over time, I've learned that this kind of fear and self-doubt, that's not going to get you anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true, men or women, right? Like, don't let your newness stop you from shining, right? Exactly. I just think, I think that that is an issue that a lot of people face regardless of gender. But I do think that, like I said, women are not raised as much as men to like speak up and make themselves heard. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think really working on, on growing that, that level of confidence and comfort um, and speaking up is key. I remember a a time when I was in between jobs because uh, my company had gone under and I was trying to get a role at another company that was run by a friend of my previous CEO. And I was just about to send my email, my introductory email. And here's, here's my dad again, coming back into my story. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I love wise dad. I know. Um, And so he asked me if I had CC'd my old CEO. And of course I knew having him on that email thread would give me a lot more credibility because he was friends with the, you know, the company, the CEO that I was reaching out to, but I was scared. I was, I remember sitting there thinking like I wasn't important enough for a CEO to take time out of his busy schedule and recommend me. Um, so did you do it? So in the end I did. In yes. the end, I took my dad's advice, which no matter what he thinks, I actually usually do take his advice. <laughs> yeah. But this is, I'm glad you did it. I did. Did it work? I I got that job a week later. That's awesome. I did. That's awesome. And I think, too, like, whether it's a dad or just some figure with the expertise and maturity to to mentor you or sponsor you, like, you need someone to call and sometimes, again, guy or girl, and give you that, sometimes that kick in the pants. Yeah, of course you should CC the CEO. Go for it. What's the worst that can happen? Totally. And I, you know, for, for me, that person has, I'm very lucky that it has been my dad, but like you said, it could be an older sibling. It could be a family friend. It could be a colleague. It really could be anyone. But I think that that's another key piece of advice is to like find that person who has experience in the industry and who you trust and, you know, don't, don't be afraid to hit them up and be like, Hey, this is going on. Like, what do you think I should do? Yeah. Um, because they'll have some good advice for you. And sometimes <laughs> like, sometimes I find sitting around with your girlfriends who are in all in different industries and having a glass of wine and complaining, like it doesn't go anywhere. You really need someone in your industry. <laughs> it's who will ch- but it doesn't always go somewhere. <laughs> yes. It's, you're right. It's like, you, yes, you absolutely need, you need that time too, but you really do need someone who's going to 
do what your dad did and champion for yeah. what's best for your career and help give you those that bold perspective sometimes. Totally, totally. Any more advice? Yeah, I mean, I think really if I could kind of just sum up, you know, my last few minutes of talking, my advice would be be confident, be bold. And if your manager doesn't like it or can't handle it, then it's time to find a new one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> then yeah. That's, that's why finding a company that prioritizes diversity is so key. That's one of the things that drew me to Reich. We have our own diversity and inclusion specialist who goes the extra mile to make sure candidate pools are diverse enough to give tech minorities like women a chance. We have women in many different leadership roles here. We even have um, a Women of Reich group, or WOW, as we like to call it. <laughs> and it puts on, you know, they put on fun get-togethers for the entire company and they bring in different motivational speakers. Just yesterday, we all sat down and someone spoke about imposter syndrome mm-hmm. and how to identify it and how to combat it. And the best part is that everyone is involved in the Women of Right group and super supportive. And I'll be honest, like the last couple events they did, I think there were more men in attendance than women, which is amazing. That is amazing. <laughs> and in fact, I like I hope yeah. I hope people share this podcast with their male colleagues and male friends because I think yes. as women, we're all ch- trying to make change and chapping for each other. But and there's so many awesome guys out there who wanna who want yes. parity, who absolutely want equality, but don't know yes. what to do. And so I love hearing that there were sometimes more men than women at these incredible women's events at your company, because I think that's so critical. Yep. Definitely, definitely. So, you know, find a company that prioritizes diversity. There's a lot of ways to tell if a company does that before you take a job, right? Like, mm-hmm. look on their leadership page. Are there women in leadership? You know, like, I, there's a lot of easy ways to tell. And so I think that seeking that out is, is going to make you more successful in the long run. And I think if you're a woman in a leadership position listening to this podcast, then it's creating those amazing facets of your company, like this wow initiative that you guys have. It's, It's creating those opportunities to look at the diversity, to question you know, the biases you may not be aware that you have and that the company has, and, and to really make sure that everyone feels supportive and moving forward on a meritocracy yep. basis. Totally. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I hope everyone Googles your article, Women in Tech Know Their Worth. <laughs> it's Time Everyone Else Does Too by Rachel Serpa. I so appreciate you having a really, really honest conversation with us about women in tech today. Thank you so much for having me. I really, really enjoyed our conversation. For our listeners, thank you for joining us. And remember, knowledge is power. So share these podcasts with your friends and colleagues. And find past episodes of Women Will on the Google Events page or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep the conversation going on Twitter, hashtag LeadByWomenWill. I'm at Loranda. And now, for all of us, time to go smash some ceilings. Smash some ceilings.